Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. This episode is so fantastic. I think you are all going to love it. I have Jeff Epstein on the podcast. I find him absolutely hilarious. And we have a really interesting conversation, a lot about housewives nostalgia, because he's not really watching a lot of the current Real Housewives. But we talk also about stan culture and the housewives and really wanting to make watching the housewives more fun again. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation. Because we didn't get into a lot of what goes on this week in Bravo, I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of a breakdown. But I've got Jeff uh, in the show notes. So if you want to just skip to him, then go right ahead. So this week in Bravo, we had a couple crazy stories breaking. So the biggest being that the Real Housewives of Dallas reunion was filmed, also was Summer House, and Carrie actually got COVID. And since she was sitting next to Brandy Redman on the flight up to New York, both her and Brandy had to quarantine. And so they were zooming into the reunion while the other housewives were physically present at the reunion. I'm very curious to see how it all goes. It also looked like the other Carrie, Carrie Duber, was there, but I'm told it was due to some other event. But I would absolutely love if they were announcing that Carrie Duber was back on the show or that they were doing a Married to Medicine spinoff with Tiffany Moon and Carrie Duber, because I would be all about that. Also, Andy shared that there's going to be a special Watch What Happens Live episode with a lot of the children uh, that were featured on The Real Housewives, and that two of the housewives called him to complain that their children were not invited. We don't know who, but I would really be interested in hearing your guesses. And then with Jen Shaw, it appears she has not gotten the $250,000 to the Southern District of New York like she said she would. So I believe she was given a six-day extension, but she's been seen online selling her Hermes and Louis Vuitton bags. So we'll see what happens there. When it comes to what happened this week in Bravo, I'm going to share just a little bit of my thoughts, not a full breakdown. So for the Real Housewives of Atlanta, I feel like we're starting to get into, you know, Puppygate, 
territory, you know, Denise uh, and Brandy sort of territory from Beverly Hills on Atlanta with whether or not Portia actually had sex with the stripper Bolo. It's getting a little bit tiresome. I think the viewers are tired. I think the women on the show are really tired. But I'm more interested in the behind the scenes. So I would actually like to see, you know, Tanya say, you know, I'm not filming anymore and want to see some of these conversations that they're having, which are clearly happening off camera. It appears that Candy had acknowledged what happened off camera, but wouldn't do it on camera. And actually, interesting enough, I am going to be in the virtual audience for Watch What Happens Live if you're listening to this Sunday on Sunday night. And Candy is one of the guests on the show. And I actually get to ask her a question, not during the Watch What Happens Live taping, but during the after show. And I think you guys should tune in. What I was curious about is the real reason why Kenya is so fixated on what happened between Portia and Bolo. And for me, my thinking was maybe Kenya sees how all of the rest of the cast are so loyal to Portia and they're not saying what really happened on camera. And Kenya feels like, you know what, if that were me, everyone would say what happened. No one would show me loyalty. And so... That's sort of what I asked Candy, and you should definitely tune in um, and watch the after show to hear her answer on that. So the ladies of the Real Housewives of Atlanta are still in New Orleans. I just couldn't get over that there was a hurricane coming and no one seemed to acknowledge it or pay attention or care besides Candy. (laughs) So like Candy sees it's coming. She knows that, you know, power could go out. They may get stuck there. There may be flights not going in. So she hightails out of there to make sure she can make her shooting schedule and We also see after this huge fight uh, between Portia and Marlo that Portia actually leaves early as well. And I was kind of shocked that she didn't bring Shamia with her. I don't really know why. I always feel like Shamia is a better friend to Portia than Portia is to Shamia. And, of course, the women all embarrass themselves in front of Big Frida, who is teaching them how to make a traditional meal in New Orleans, and the dinner just completely goes awry. I'm sure you all saw it. I just, I don't know. I thought everything was okay. I can't tell if Marlo was just trying to drum up drama because there were cameras there, or if she was just pissed that Portia lied to her to her face because last episode she said Portia did you sleep with the stripper Portia said no now why would Portia say yes on camera (laughs) like I don't know the whole thing is just I don't know they're all trying to get her to admit what happened and she's just not going to and so it probably makes sense to move on Speaking of moving on, I really think that the Real Housewives of Dallas needs to move on from Carrie. I am so tired of her. I know we've all been tired of her, but this episode was so offensive to watch how she was treating that Bigfoot hunter Charles. I mean, it's a crazy premise. They go to Oklahoma and they're they say they're camping, but they're they're definitely not camping. They're staying in a very nice house that has a kind of cabin woods like feel, but it's most definitely not camping. And Stephanie has this guy Charles, who's a Bigfoot hunter, come and they go in the middle of the night and they try and find Bigfoot. 
whatever. The entire time, Carrie is railing against this guy because he is a avid hunter and is saying how horrible it is to hunt and how these innocent animals. Meanwhile, she just ate a hot dog 20 minutes earlier. I mean, it's absolutely wild. And she's being really rude to him. And, you know, he was a guest that was kind of invited to where the women were. And Stephanie is embarrassed. And she keeps telling Carrie, like, can you stop? Please, you're embarrassing me. And Carrie is just absolutely ignoring it even makes a comment about Charles having a small penis at one point. I mean, it was horrendous. Stephanie ends up crying because of how horrible she felt and something that maybe Charles must have said to her afterwards where he felt like he had done something wrong. And it just shouldn't take all of this to get Carrie to realize that she is rude and she is obnoxious and she doesn't listen to anyone. And I'm just so effing sick of her. I don't even want to spend any more time talking about her. But I think what this episode showed is that Tiffany can be fun. And I'm really tired of this narrative that Tiffany is somehow not fun or not a girl's girl or can't hang with this group. She most definitely can. And I think she's lovely. And we're seeing her get along with Brandy and Carrie and everyone. So it'll be interesting to see at the reunion why everything has broken down. Because from her point of view, she probably felt like she really built friendships and look at things are getting better. But I'm sure watching back, the women are feeling so much heat. And instead of just taking accountability and being like, you know what, I had a hard time with the new girl. I'm owning that and I'm trying to be better. Instead, they seem to just be frustrated with her and mad at Deandra. And I don't know. Going on to New Jersey, I am so glad that The Real Housewives of New Jersey filmed in the summer because there is nothing I want to watch less than The Real Housewives of New Jersey filming in November, December, January, February, like seeing it's like a gray wasteland. But in the summer, it looks lovely. I mean, they all go to the Jersey Shore, the houses look great, they're on the boat, they're having fun, they're by the pool, they're having drinks. It looks awesome. I plead, plead with Bravo to keep filming Jersey in the summer from now on. Now, we also see, this is totally unrelated to any part of the plot line, Frank Catania's bagel order, and he tells Dolores to get his usual, which is egg whites, turkey, bacon, uh, bacon on a plain bagel, scooped. Now, that means that they scoop out the doughy part of the bagel and just leave the crust. And I'm telling you as a Jew, like this bagel order is anti-Semitic. <laughs> Frank Catania, I finally found something wrong with Frank Catania. I love him, but his bagel order sucks. <laughs> so it's really fun, actually, I think, watching the couples interact on this trip. It's always interesting to see Bill with the guys because I think he's so much more likable than I originally thought he was going to be. And, you know, we see Melissa and Joe get into this fight, and there's so much subtext to the fight. You know, he gets pissed at her because she starts walking ahead of him. But I think he's just really upset about the next day they're having a tribute to his dad who passed away. And I know that, you know, everyone says, oh, it's things with their marriage. And I do think that there are things going on in their marriage. But I also think that when you're dealing with a funeral or an anniversary of a funeral or talking about someone's death and honoring their life, like weird stuff happens. I remember when we had the unveiling for my mother's grave, um, 
when we were on the way back, my brother like freaked out because a button fell off of his coat and he like was freaking out that he couldn't find that button and he was never going to have another button and just it can make people kind of go a little nuts. So that's that's what happened. Joe Gorga went kind of nuts. And what I think the subtext is, you know, he's saying that Melissa isn't around enough and she's changed and she's saying, you know, I have a job now, I work, I'm not always home, I'm not making dinner for him. You know, when I was 24 and married him, I'm not that same person. But, and Andy Cohn alluded to this on Watch What Happens Live, that it appears that they're talking about the show and how she's become this big star on the show. And that's something that's frustrating to him. But he's a star on the show as well, right? Everyone knows who he is and they know who she is. So I'm wondering if it has to do with money, if she's now the primary breadwinner and that bothers him. Because I can't think of exactly what else it would be. Also, their kids aren't young anymore. So, you know, she doesn't have to be at home trying to raise the kids. They're going to school. They're, you know, out and about. She's doing a lot of her own thing. And so I I think that's what it has to do with. But I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. I'm also kind of weirded out by the pranks that they keep having on each other, that one of them is cheating. I don't know. Maybe it's fine for them and it makes them feel good to see the other jealous or upset. But I think it's kind of um, deranged. And then, of course, we see the celebration of life for Nano, and I think it's absolutely beautiful. It reminds me that they actually are a family and that they do love each other and that, you know, Melissa's kids and Teresa's kids are actually seem close. And I don't know, I, I feel like it's very compelling to watch the families. And I don't think I really thought that that much, maybe a few seasons ago, but I'm definitely feeling it now. Okay, guys, let's round it out with Summer House. So this is definitely also a very couples, couple episode. So we've got Des coming in to be with Hannah. We've got Robert coming to be with Danielle. Um, we see Stephen coming back to try and win Lindsay back. And then we hear a bit more about what's happening with Paige and Perry. So Lindsay lets Stephen back in the house, uh, almost as if ever, nothing really happened. And everyone seems to be a little bit confused. But what I was really interested in is kind of seeing all these couples. And then Paige seems to be unable to have really tough conversations about her feelings with Perry. But again, just like Jersey, I feel like there's so much subtext about the show and that arguments are really about the show, but they can't say they're about the show. And what I think and what is probably very obvious is that Paige's boyfriend, Perry, doesn't want to be on camera. And so she finally tells him, you know, I'd really like you to come to the house just for a drink. And he says no, and he's busy with work. And I get it. Like, he's got a real job. He doesn't want to expose himself on TV. But for the kind of work that she does as a social media influencer, her being on TV is really important for her. And that's not going to change if that's her career path. And so I don't know how they could be together long term if she's trying to have a very kind of public lifestyle and he wants to be completely private. So... We also, you know, get to see Des and Hannah and they have sex all over the house and are super weird and gross about it. I mean, they go and, you know, have sex in Kyle and Amanda's bathroom, which 
I think is disrespectful and also just weird. Like, why not just go to your room? You have a room. You also have a bathroom. I know that the bathroom is where there are no cameras, which is why they go have sex in there. But the whole thing is really odd. And I think it also makes Danielle feel uncomfortable because her new guy, Robert, is there. And, you know, they haven't seen each other in five weeks. And she doesn't want to just jump into bed with him. And the whole dynamic is really weird. It's also kind of weird when they're all having dinner together and Des says that him and Hannah slept together on the second date. It was just the way he said it was really crass. And I don't know. It appears, though, that Des is actually quite a famous comedian over in Ireland and does a lot of bits about how like the Irish behave and act um, from an American point of view because he was born in New York and then moved over to Ireland when he was in high school. And he's back in New York now. I don't know. I don't really know what I think about Des and um, Hannah other than I think Hannah really lied a lot about kind of the timetable with Des and what her real feelings were for Luke and tried to drum it up for a storyline. And I think Luke was completely bamboozled. I do not think Luke is completely innocent of everything. I just don't think he did what Hannah says he did in the timeline that she says that he did it, if that makes any sense. I've said this before, but everyone should go back and listen to Chanel in the City. She had Luke on her podcast, and he gives uh, kind of his version of things. And it made a lot of sense to me. So I would encourage everyone to listen. It also made me sad to see how happy Amanda is for Hannah and how rude and disrespectful Hannah is to Amanda. It must be heartbreaking for Amanda to watch all of this back and realize Hannah was really never her friend. Um, So the rest of them have a boat day. Everyone has a lot of fun. Paige gets blackout drunk. And uh, everyone seems to notice that Paige is so much more fun without Hannah. And I hope we get to see more of that. I know she's going to be on Winter House I think, sans Hannah. So that will be an opportunity for us to get to know her without Hannah. And I agree, she's a lot more likable without the other member of the Giggly Squad. So those are some of my thoughts from this week in Bravo. Um, So now we're going to get into my conversation with Jeff. So it's a little bit different than some of the other conversations I've had with guests. And we talk about some really serious real life issues, including addiction and mental health and recovery. So I encourage you all to have an open mind listening to it and to be kind in the comments. We also talk a lot about kind of how housewives social media has gotten really toxic and mean. And I was saying that one of my goals is to make housewives and Bravo fun again, right? Because Bravo should be fun. And I feel like when everyone gets team so-and-so or team whoever, it just gets kind of nasty. And so I would love to hear from you guys about what you think that we can all do as viewers to make housewives fun and a little bit less toxic. So would love to hear all of your input on that. As always, uh, be sure to subscribe, um, give a good review if you enjoy the podcast, and follow me at Mandy Slutsker on social media. Be sure to tune in to watch what happens live, to see me as a virtual audience member. Um, They told me I couldn't have art in the background, so I... (laughs) 
I changed my background to one of those weird sort of Zoom Skype backgrounds with hearts. And sometimes when I'm clappy and I don't know if you can like see my hands, so I may look a little bit bizarre, but um, hopefully you guys will enjoy that episode of Watch What Happens Live. Without further ado, here is my chat with Jeff. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Jeff Epstein from the podcast Manic with Jeff Epstein. He is one of the funniest people I have ever seen on social media. I love your Instagram and your Twitter, and I just think you're great. So I asked you to come on the podcast to talk about housewives, but also just to shoot the shit. How are you doing? I love it. Thank you for having me on. That was such a delightful introduction so complimentary (laughs) i'm feeling really i'm on a real high here um i'm doing well and it's funny because you said you had to talk about housewives and then when you asked me i was like i don't think she realizes that i don't watch housewives anymore no but i want to talk about that and i also want to talk about like old school housewives because i was telling you that i went um i tried to go back and figure out when i started watching beverly hills and it turns out it was sometime during season three because I got like roped into Vanderpump rules at the same time as everyone uh-huh. else. But I missed seasons one and two. And so I went back to watch them and watching them as like, I don't know, an actual adult now. Like I didn't feel like I was really like right. an adult back then is fascinating and so dark. <laughs> Season one is really dark. And the one will fly. I always think that too. There's something there's the dynamics between siblings is so dark. So it's like, that to me was is what was so captivating. I feel like that's yeah. a big part of what's missing in later seasons. Uh, but Beverly Hills was like my gateway. It's actually how I started watching Housewives. Like I, I was never interested in it because I was like, oh, Housewives, whatever. But for some reason to me, Beverly Hills was, it was like a celebrity version. Yeah. Um, and I knew who the Richard sisters were and things like that. So that's what grabbed me. And that's what I watched from season one on was Beverly Hills. That's how, I, that's how they got me. But I didn't even start watching other Housewives until five years later when I happened to be like catching some of OC and then I started watching a little bit more of them. But yeah, it was strictly Beverly Hills for a long time. Yeah, I started with just the California ones because, you know, when you live on the East Coast and the weather's not great in the winter and it's like you dream of sunshine and having a pool in your backyard. And so I was really into the Beverly Hills and the OC stuff. And then I got roped into Vanderpump Rules from their very first episode because I was watching Beverly Hills and I was like, oh, my God, they're my age and they're such a mess. I can't look away. And then I got into New York and then eventually all the others. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, it was the same thing where I was like, okay, then I, it was during the cancer thing. I remember I was 2015 and I was like home and I started just watching that and I thought, okay, I'm into this. And I kind of got into OC and then it was like in the years following, like like super, super dark years of my life when all I was doing was like laying in bed, doing drugs or withdrawing. And so that's when I started diving into more and I realized I really like New York, but I was hesitant about the East Coast ones as well because I'm actually from the East Coast, but I don't even want to see the East Coast and I don't like it. And like same with Jersey. And that's still one that I very much, I've kind of hardly watched because I don't like it and I don't like seeing New Jersey. And like the, to me, they're so like enamored with the idea of like fame in Hollywood and being on TV that it feels a bit try hard. Okay. So, so yeah. And then Atlanta, I've, I've only seen the only full season I've ever watched of Atlanta was nine. 
Um, I dipped my toe into some later ones, but like none of the earlier stuff I wasn't into. New York even, I've never seen seasons one through three, one through four. I started watching like live when it was seven and then went back for five and six. Um, OC and Beverly Hills are really the only ones I've seen. And I, yeah. I feel like people think that I'm more a bigger Housewives fan than I am because the, it's just the stuff that I was a fan of. I'm really a fan like of. Like, so into. But I love that you got into the OC and stuff when you were at a dark moment because I feel like I was always kind of interested in Housewives and watching Vanderpump Rules, but it was after this like super dark time in my life where my mom died, my apartment burned down, I had no home, I was like living in an Airbnb and Bravo, we had Bravo. That was like what it was. And I could barely get through the day. I was such a mess. And the only time I could really zone out was when I was watching the housewives and watch what happens live. And it was so ridiculous. And I couldn't handle any scripted TV or dramas. I'm still not great with it because it's like brings up tough subjects that I don't want to deal with. I have tough subjects in my like day to day life. Like I don't want to see sad shit on TV. You know, I think for me, it's funny because it's like it was the same thing where I was in a dark place and I actually just couldn't focus on anything. Um, so reality TV was like, okay, and it was just kind of this like running channel in the back and it was like something. Now, um, I, I don't really watch much TV at all. And I hate to be one of those people that says that, like, I don't really watch TV, but I don't. But I kind of like to at this point have like one scripted show in my life. So I've, it's come full circle. Like now I'm back to that. Okay. Um, because otherwise I find with the reality show, I am kind of on my phone and I've been looking, I, I look for a specific scripted show to like get my attention and be really zoned in. Cause once you're really in one of those, it's like, whoa, but it also takes me like, I'll shuffle through 10 before I find one that I like, like five minutes into the first episode of that one. No, five minutes into the episode of that one. No, but, but yeah. I, the last scripted show I got into was succession. You couldn't get into it. Oh, man. Once I realized it was like a dark comedy and not a drama, it hit completely different. It was not meant to be taken as a drama. Okay. I need to watch with a new lens. Yes. Also, but if I remember correctly, is it political? I don't do, I don't like political stuff. Um, then you should never visit me in DC. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, no. I know. Um, yeah. I would say that to me, DC <laughs> sounds like frigid hell. I can't even like, I don't like any of that. I don't like the aesthetic of it. I don't like the weather. I like, no, I don't even like the name. Sorry. No. <laughs> no. So I have no, no. And also, like, my grandparents, like, my dad's from Baltimore. I don't even like the accents in the area. I like, I want I no guess part there of it. is some politics in it, but it's more just. Um, this incredibly dark and twisted family dynamic. That's really what it is. And that it's what draws you in. It's like these four siblings and this um, aging, you know, big, like he's like a Murdoch type guy. And it's like, who's going to be next and taking over everything. And all the siblings are like backbiting and trying to one up each other, but they all like feel like secretly, like they're not good enough for their dad. And it's really intense. And oh. if you have ever like lived in New York City or anything, it shows you this part of New York that's like excess of wealth that I never really get to see. Like I imagine from Gossip Girl and stuff, but seeing it play out is also really fascinating. Like taking helicopters places and like things like that. It's good. It's definitely, I feel like you would like it, especially if you have like a, a dark, twisted sense of humor. 
it's so funny that you mentioned like the New York, seeing New York City thing, but and like the gossip girl thing because my experience is, in my experience in New York City was that I was working for Blake Lively. Um, oh yeah, I think I remember that from one of your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, it was like a whole. There's a, lot a long saga. <laughs> there's a lot to that saga and stuff like that. But um, but um, yeah. So I actually, but I also don't like New York either. Um, and something about like yeah, I. I'm very turned off by like names or when I see first type of settings or like a jury type of vibe. I'm like, I don't know. Like I could try, I could try again. Um, a show that I just finished was your honor. Ooh, I don't even know what that is. Okay. I'm going to just quickly tell you that it's going to be the quickest synopsis ever, but basically hold on. If I got the burp, sorry, I was drinking this fucking spin drift. <laughs> it's so rude. I have to not drink them when I'm doing podcasts. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. So Brian Cranston is a judge. Oh, my dad's obsessed with that guy. Okay, he's great. And then he has a son who gets in a hit and run and kills this kid on a motorcycle. But the kid that he hits is the son of the biggest crime family. So then his dad, the judge, works so hard to cover it up. And it's it's a 10 episode limited series. And it's honest to God. I was so stressed. I kept waking up. I kept having to go for long drives. I kept having to do like a lot of like, genuinely, I finished it and I had to go for like an hour drive because I couldn't even like I was pacing around my apartment. I hate that feeling. I couldn't even finish dead to me. Because I was oh so my anxious. God. Oh, sorry, I was sorry, sorry. so anxious. <laughs> I was like, I love that to me. I was like, just tell them what you did. And come clean. <laughs> okay, no. And so I get it. Like, I actually, and I would like watch my ex boyfriend. He'd be like, stop. Like, stop. You're being annoying. It's a fucking show. Because I'm like, oh my God. And then, no, but, I get so wrapped up. But that's what I mean. You're so wrapped up and you're so focused. And it's so like, you're in it. You're in it. You're in it. Mm-hmm. I'm telling, because like, otherwise, I don't know about you, but like, if I'm watching a housewives show, like, I'm on my phone. I I do both. Like I'm if I'm on my phone, I'm watching what other people are saying about housewives. Right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm watching it live. But if I'm doing old school, I've actually gone back and I've been watching the first few seasons of Married to Medicine. And okay. that is worth watching with no phone. It is so good. I think I tried it for a second and wasn't into it. I've I've tried a lot of other Bravo ones. Like I don't do Southern Charm. I don't do Vanderpump Rule. I don't That's fair. You're no. like, okay. No. <laughs> <But> <laughs> um, <laughs> what I really wanted to ask you about, though, before we, because uh-huh. I have a lot of Housewives questions, uh-huh. is your name. So, Jeff That's Epstein, cool. you were born Jeff Epstein, but obviously, you know, people recognize your name differently now. The climate's changed. I've know? always been a Slutsker, right? had to live with it my whole life and that's also been interesting so like what are some of your craziest like name stories yours are probably more from the last few years mine are long and span many (laughs) years of school and yeah that's i mean the thing is is that i actually always knew who he was because like when you have a certain like whatever your name is you always want to say like who do i share a name with and so i remember even my twin brother would always be like oh my god you share a name with this like billionaire pedophile blah 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 and then yeah a few years ago it like blew up into this whole thing and i keep thinking it's gonna die down and then he fucking kills himself i'm like oh my god and then it keeps going but it's like i I literally went to the dentist a month ago and i walk i'm laying in the chair and the dentist walks in he's like will the real jeffrey epstein please stand up and then like (laughs) Goes on this like whole tangent, whole tangent, and then I went to this other procedure. I feel like I'm always I was just a procedure for this. I feel like you must think that I live at the doctor's or something. But um, I was at this other thing, and I'm trying to have a consultation. And for the first, he kept talking, he kept like brainstorming about names like that I could change it to. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, I I have to leave. Like, we've now been here for 20 minutes. What are we talking about? 
Um, or like, I think it's been a much bigger issue. Like when I first changed even my Instagram handle, so I lost a 10,000 followers because people thought I did it as a joke. And they're like, how dare you be so disrespectful to all the victims of his crimes and blah, blah, blah. And I'll still get really nasty messages like that or like comments of like, oh my God, bro, or like change your name, bro. Like that's probably where it's actually the most annoying is in the social media space. Oh, that's so annoying. See with Slutsker. Okay. So going back to social media, when Facebook first started, it was only people who went to certain universities that were like right. invited. Okay. So my university was like one of the you know, first 25 schools that was invited. And, you know, back in the day before your parents were on Facebook, before anything, it was just a bunch of 20 year old college students. And so people used to get drunk or whatever and type in slut into the search thing. And I would come up and the messages I would get, they were actually hilarious. Like people, guys wrote poems, (laughs) like full on poems. I had like, all kinds of propositions. It was insane. And it was it was very like funny. And I did stand up for a little bit in DC. And like my whole bit was like, slut was like the first thing. And then there was another Mandy in our group of friends in college. And so she was called Mandy and then her last name and I was called Mandy slut. And then when all the parents met me, they're like, oh, is that Mandy, like, last name, or like, or Mandy Slut? And then they met my brother and like, oh, that's Ben Slut. And then my parents are like, Mr. and Mrs. Slut. It was like, (laughs) just became like a thing. I kind of like, it's kind of fun. And also, like, I aspire to be a slut. I'm not, but I wish I was. You know. I'm too nervous to be. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I've got that nervous Jewish energy. Yeah, and I'm like, you're going to give me a disease. Or, oh, blah, blah. Like, we want to be sluts, though. We really do. Right, we do. And we then do. in high school, um, I went to Israel, like every Jew. For... You did the birthday trip? No, I did. Like, I oh. lived in Israel in high school. My parents sent me in the middle of the Intifada to go live, like, in a dorm with other students. And it, it was so fun, right? But it was a little crazy because there was a war going on. And the guy who was in charge of our dorm, he would shout, Sloot, like all the time. And so it just became like my nickname. So everyone would just be like, Sloot, anytime they saw me. (laughs) What's so funny is that like I had a certain friend group that like we actually used to pronounce slut as sloot. We'd be like, you little sloot. (laughs) And so now I'm just like thinking, yeah, when you said sloot, I was like, okay. Wow. Oh, he's really... You know who also has a shit time? I was thinking of you on Twitter. Um, So there's a guy named Matt Gertz on Twitter who he works for like a media company and he's he has a ton of followers. But now all the stuff is going on with Matt Gates, who's a politician who's potentially involved in like sex trafficking and like being with like a teenage girl. And so anytime something happens with Matt Gates, Matt Gertz gets tagged by like thousands and thousands of people and he'll spend the entire day just responding not me not the same guy not me oh, no. <laughs> i actually didn't know either of them or either of those names i'm super i don't know i should i know that that's oh, a scandal no i love it i feel like so the only scandal i really care about is the jen shaw scandal so want to get your thoughts on that but i know everything that happens in politics because i work in that in dc but tell me like what the fuck do you think about jen shaw so it's so crazy. I actually was getting like so sick of it because I was like, well, I, I, it, I mean, fair. like it floods your time. My issue and like I need to actually probably just unfollow a lot of like accounts is that you go through and like they're just posting the same headline over and over again. And it's the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, okay, guys, this is enough. I'm like, mm, I, okay. Um, no, I, I actually do think it's crazy. I didn't watch Salt Lake City. So I'm not like 
I don't have like the investment towards it as like, it's not like if like baby girl Ramona Singer just got around, like it would be so, so different, but so I don't have that attachment to her, but it is nuts. Um, and like federal shit is so different. <laughs> and I will say, I also like to say with like the innocent and proven guilty until proven guilty thing. Yeah. Uh, just because for many reasons, my intuition tells me like she's up to some shit. <laughs> and yeah. I, I also think too, like, why would you, yeah, why would you go on a show if you know you have those skeletons? Like, I remember thinking, like, would I even go on a show because I had skeletons in my closet that, about just, like, past arrests that were, like, wrapped up, meaning just on my record. Like, even that scares me. But to know that you're, like, in the middle of doing a crime that large um, on a federal level and, like, here's what, here's what I actually think will happen. Like, Stuart's going to throw her under the bus. Totally. And everyone else is going to throw her, her, her under the bus to plead out. She'll still plead out. Like, my guess is she gets a year or two. I think it'll be more. You never know. I, it depends how – it depends. Like, I, I didn't see enough of the, um, like, records and, like, the evidence they have on her and, like, how it starts playing out. You just think, like, even if they say, like, okay, the max sentence 30 years, things like that, and it's white collar, and you kind of play things out, like, yeah. you feed them out pretty low. But I just think she's such a narcissist, she won't plead. No, she might try to go to tra- trial and fight it. Uh, I don't know. She really bothered me. I think that I, like, I watched a few episodes in the beginning, and I was like, I'm not into this, but she strikes me as a really, she's a tryhard. It's more than try hard, though. It's like, that's what I thought at first. But no, she believes in her bullshit. Like, like you were saying, you know, when you're doing crimes like that, why would you go on a show? But I think there is a part of it that you get so brazen in committing those crimes and thinking, well, I haven't got caught yet. And it's been this many years. Like, I'm just gonna keep testing the boundaries like me with my fake ID in college. Like mm. once I got in a certain bar, I was like, okay, I've gotten in this bar. Now I'm gonna try that bar where like they always card people like I think I can handle it, you know, and it's like you get a rush out of it. Now that's probably like the biggest crime I've committed. <laughs> no, that is actually a good analogy is the fake the fake ID thing. And I remember also pushing the limit. You do. And it's part of like your brain isn't even fully developed at that point. And I feel like something's off with her brain as well. Like she's just not, it's not sinking in. And her level of narcissism, I don't think lets her like take in facts. No. And she could very well even still be doing, I mean, listen, I do have a a more serious example as far as like, I remember I was arrested for something really serious. It was in like August, 2016. And then like less than a year later, I was arrested for the exact same thing, like a something like a felony, and like a, a lot was happening. And and like yeah, I was still like I remember even like fin- wrapping up the first one and then doing that same thing again. And so I I see what you're saying. You push boundaries, especially when yeah. the consequence isn't as bad as you thought it would be, or if you don't face a consequence, you're like oh, I could do that again. Oh, I knew too that like I was under investigation for things and blah 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 yeah. and this that whatever was happening and I still was like yeah you're pushing it you're pushing it so I did yeah that's a good point I maybe don't know probably, maybe you are maybe, maybe I'm a sleuth yeah sleuthing sleuth maybe we switch from like politics to crime oh yeah definitely I can see a future for me <laughs> yeah, me too me too <laughs> 
Well, I want to get your thoughts on like a ton of different Housewives things, just going back to the ones that you watch. And I just love hearing your opinions on stuff. So for there was this thing going around on social media recently that was like, what are four real housewives that describe your personality and why? And I've been thinking about this for weeks because it's there's not many housewives that I feel like have similar personality traits to me. Or if you look, I because I did this, I'm actually trying to pull it up. What it was was like, I took very specific facets. Like I might have one out of one million of Ramona Singer's facets, but like one of those I really identify with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what facets of which housewives do you identify with? Wait, I'm trying to find this. Fuck. I remember it's so funny too, because <laughs> I like I was actually speaking of Annabelle, I had texted and her and she had said like, oh, this person, blah, blah, blah. So I said I was Denise Richards, Sonia Morgan, Brandy Glanville, and Bethany Frankel. Ooh, so what about Denise? Um, I'm super like kind of trash bag, don't give a fuck, ragamuffin, like... Ragamuffin. Very, very, very ragamuffin. I'm always, like, in my board shorts at fancy places, and, like, I don't give a fuck. So that... She had even said that. She's like, you have to do Denise Richards because you're a ragamuffin. And I think there's something... I'm kind of that, like... There's a little, like... Like, she's so sweet and nice and has all this stuff, but there's, like, something... There's You know, there's, like, an edge. There's something darker. I mean, when she was like, I'm fucking Denise Richards, you were like, oh, she does know, like, the pull and the sway that she has. And she pulls it out, like, every so often and makes you think. That and just even the side of, like, you know, she's married to Charlie Sheen. Like, there's something kind of wild. And so I I identify with that type of trait of, like, yeah, being so sweet and whatever. But, like, there's something. And that kind of I don't give a fuck attitude. So, yeah, Denise. Then what about Sonia? Sonia's actually my favorite housewife, I think. I love Sonia. She's like my number, she's in like my top three. She's not my favorite, she's not my number one just because she's like, in terms of like actually getting involved with drama, it's different, but she's just so yeah. funny and I love her. She's great character work. Um, Sonia, because I think that I'm a bit of a clown myself and I, I think I'm kind of just floozy and uh, You would like lose um, a tooth on the dance floor? 100%. <laughs> I, I, literally. I'm getting bloody noses everywhere and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> literally, literally everywhere. Uh so that's her. And then Brandy, I would say also because the unfiltered mouth and a little bit. Of, and both those two, I would say the partying aspects or like the. Yeah, Brandy definitely had no problem doing any of that stuff on camera, too. Yeah, where she was like, I just took a Xanax and now I'm going to have a bunch of wine. I was like, you're saying this on like camera? But like, that's how I am, too. So I would say so like that identify. And then Bethany, like. I can be kind of ruthless, to be honest with you. Um, only to, like, people I know, I feel like. Uh, only to people I know and love. So, oh, oh, yeah. If I know you, that's not I'm super mean to you. If I don't know you, I'm very nice to you. So, yeah, that. And there's something, like, I have a – I can be a – there's a bossy quality to me. Okay. Um, I'm aware of it. Those I'm are aware. good housewives, though, to choose. Like, I've been, like, trying to think – and all the housewives I chose are ones that are, like, other people would call boring. <laughs> Who? Who? Okay. Wendy from Osifo? Real Housewives of Potomac. I actually love Wendy. Yeah, I really like her. And I have sort of similar interests uh, as her. And I don't know. Hmm. I just feel like I'm very Wendy-like. Um, I have Candy from Atlanta. because The Hustle? Um, I don't know if it's the hustle. I just feel like 
I can stay neutral on a lot of things like where like everyone else is like, you got to pick a side, you got to pick a side, you got to do this. And I like, I feel like I can like keep everyone happy. You know, I'm actually, I actually really identify with that as well. I'm a very neutral person in things. I'm always like, and I just outright say it and people want you to pick a side and I'm always like, guys, I'm neutral. Like I, well, I can pick sides on things, but I don't feel like I have to, especially if it's like fights between friends that you really care about, you know? Um, who else? Well, okay. So I took a quiz online back, God, when I first started watching Housewives and I took it like 10 different ways, tried all these different answers every time I got Kim Richards. (laughs) Oh, sorry. She was actually my, um, and both of the students. She was, uh, like an an honorable mention mention? because she was like, you both were stealing from Target and got arrested. (laughs) Um, and also just obviously the addiction struggles and all that. I definitely, Kim Richards is absolutely on. Yeah. And I have like very little qualities other than I do really like turtles. I had pet turtles that I, um, like, I found I didn't find them. I I rescued them and like ended up having this like crazy situation. Crazy. <laughs> so I uh, used to do like a lot of HIV outreach in DC uh-huh. and like syringe exchange um, and stuff like that. And so I was in a certain neighborhood one day and was having some conversations with people. And this guy was selling these like miniature turtles. So um, he was being really aggressive with like the the clients. And so I just tried to get him to stop. So I just bought the turtles and then like continued on. And then was like, oh, my God, I have these like miniature turtles. So I went to Petco. I was like, I bought these miniature turtles. Like, what do I do? And they're like, miniature, ma'am, those are just babies. (laughs) They grew to be a foot each. I spent so much of my money on this massive tank for them. I had a 75-gallon tank. I had two other roommates. I ended up getting some person in West Virginia to make a custom turtle condo to go on top of the 75-gallon tank made of plexiglass so they could bask in like the special lamp that they needed. I hand-fed them for the first six months. This is too much. I, that's too much. I know. I I, but I, yeah. when I when it comes to animals... I'm just very like that. Like with my dog, I'm very like attentive. And like I always have an animal that has like an issue. Like my childhood dog was diabetic. And like I learned how to, yeah. I a mean, diabetic she, dog. I know. I oh know. My God. So my okay, parents sorry. used to give like insulin and stuff. I learned how to do it. My current dog is like allergic to protein. What? So she has to be he... on like some special. She like can't eat chicken, which is an owl dog food. So she has to be eat some like special dog food. I had to like. I'm like, where are you finding these floozies? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? I just apparently it's a thing with a lot of dogs now, where like this one diet just like works better on a lot of them. Well, you're like I'm probably not one to speak. I'm like my family's dogs always die like pretty early, so I'm like maybe Aww. yeah. <laughs> That's I okay. love dogs, though. I so love, I like, love, 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 love dogs. Love dogs, and so yeah. I don't know. And then R.I.P. Kingsley. Like thinking of <laughs> thinking of Kim Richards. Oh, dog. My, oh, sorry. I was like, who's Kingsley? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, he's definitely he got put down for sure. For sure. So I don't know. There's definitely a little bit of like wacky Kim Richards, and then I don't know. There has to be a fourth. Yeah. I think maybe Tiffany Moon on Dallas. Oh. I, yeah. 
I don't know enough. I think I watched. I think I watched the first two. I, I often give them a try too. I think I did give them the try for like one or two episodes. So I, I got enough. I could. I think I could see that for you. Yeah, I'm definitely a type A. I live and die by my calendar. I mark off everything off my to do list. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have really loud sneezes. I know. <laughs> that was an amazing, that was like the most Jewish sneeze ever. Do, do you think that why. Jews have louder sneezes the rest of the population? Maybe. I mean, I also feel like I get it from my mom because my mom sneezes like that. But um, what's ironic is a non-Jewish person once told me, and it's weird too, like I'm technically Jewish, but I'm not like, I'm not really, I'm not a real Jew. I feel like you're a real Jew. I feel like it's disrespectful. There's no such thing as like a real, like it's in your heart. No, I know. And I, well, I am, am I actually am Ashkenazi. So like in that yeah. aspect, but, um, but no, my friends actually <laughs> Blake's mom said, said like, that, like when, mom? Yeah, when, okay. you, when you sneeze, like you're actually like taking like something about God, like it's, it's God's moment for you to like have a moment and pause and like have something with the earth. So like when you sneeze, she says that like everyone around you needs to like stop what they're doing. And then, like, you sneeze, and it's, like, a big thing. Well, because your heart stops when you sneeze. Oh, Everything pauses. You That's can't even pee me. when you're sneezing. I can't even pee when I'm not sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> like, so. Um, okay. So, do you still watch Beverly Hills? Do you, like, watch up to the last season with Denise and everything? I that's the one I think I if anything I always kind of stay on because like I said how I jumped that was my first one I I think I skipped like season eight and nine or kind of but then the last one I did yeah yeah the last one I did watch um because I love Denise Richards so much and yeah I watched that so what do you think of what's going on with Erica and how everyone seems to always rally they all seem to like rally around the person who has something to hide and then stop them from being exposed. And that seems very different from a lot of the other franchises. Oh, that, the other franchises, like, like that's my secret weapon. Like, I'm going to yank it out. Y- here's the thing. I actually don't think Erica knew too much. So I feel bad. She's getting a lot of, like, she gets a lot of hate online. People, I, I this is a big part, too, why I not only stop, maybe this isn't why I stopped watching, but a big part of why I kind of have, like, remove myself from that conversation and like I don't really post Housewives stuff anymore or anything like that is because Housewives fans are really nasty and they are they don't make it fun they actually don't and it's funny because I feel like I that's what I used to think about I was like oh my god it's so fun talking about how, but like Housewives with others but like they don't and they just like tear it to shreds and it's like first of all you don't even know what happened yet but they're constantly commenting it's like oh criminal or this that and the other and like i i genuinely just think that she wasn't very involved i think it was very like tom's doing his thing that's business she doesn't ask questions she's doing or whatever and i don't think she knew very much and like maybe that's what's going to come out in the season but we don't know but people are just really nasty do you think it's like people being nasty to her or do you think people be nasty to each other for having different opinions about her both they're always nasty to her but people are very nasty to each other like you can't disagree on something and like they just make it they make it not fun. They make it so serious. I'm like, guys, this is a TV show. It's right. so ridiculous. Like, and like, then it comes to the point of like, they want, they hate when people are boring, but then like, if somebody's controversial or whatever, then like, they should, they're a bad person. They should be on TV. I'm like, they're a bad person. They're great for TV. Like, why the fuck do you think they have love after lockup or whatever the fuck <laughs> it's called? Like, what are you talking about? Why do you think everyone's so excited now for Jen Shaw and the criminal stuff to see it? What are you talking about? But then like, Everyone had a huge issue with Kelly Dodd. I'm like, I think Kelly Dodd's great TV, and I've gotten flack for saying it. I don't give a fuck. So, you know, 
That's really interesting because I feel, and I don't know when it happened. Like I'm trying to think of when the change happened because I've started to feel a lot of the nastiness and try and like have people on the podcast that have different views than me about Kelly Dodd or about Teresa Judice or any of them because like it's not that deep. We're not debating politics or abortion, you know? Let's be able to have a conversation about what we find entertaining, right? And who we like to watch in this crazy game of characters that we see on Housewives. Why do I find one housewife so amazing and you think that they're annoying as hell? That's interesting to me to see the differences of who we like watching and who we feel entertained by. Yeah, and I think there's a difference between having a conversation and just kind of stating your opinions in a fun, friendly way where you are, your your reaction is almost like, oh my God, that's interesting. Like, huh, it's funny that you see that person that way versus like, oh my God, no. And I hate, I hate more than anything, the whole like team this, team that. It, I, you don't have to be a team. You can be team both, that there's no teams. I also hate stan culture. I don't agree with any of it. The, I've said this often, the only person I stand is myself. Um, I think we I all love should- love that be bigger stands of ourself. I, I that do. word is we gross need to me. To be. I'm a big fan of myself. Um, <laughs> I think that's like, <laughs> it sounds so narcissistic, but whatever. But it, I, that's something that's come with me in the past few years and like regaining my life and things like that and being like, okay, like I'm proud of this person. I think I ha- can create cool things and do cool things and whatever and, and sharing my life. And so rather than everyone's just so focused on being these like disgusting types of fans towards these people where it's so excessive and like standing them, meaning like, it's so weird because they'll stand them, which I, I think the death definition essentially means like no matter what, but then they do something, whatever, and they're like, we no longer stand. They're canceled. So then it goes along with the cancel culture thing, <laughs> which, I've, which I've spoken about, about hating. Yeah. And a lot of that is very enmeshed in the housewives world. And I don't want any part of that conversation. That's fair. I'm just yeah. trying to figure out where it went left, you know, because I mean, where, so I've talked to Steven about this, um, okay. Faces by Bravo, about how the Real Housewives of Potomac, people were so intensely Team Monique or Team Candace to the point that we just couldn't even talk to each other, right? People just got so heated. And yeah, there was a physical altercation involved. But like, you know, we can move past that, right? It yeah, happened, before. It, you know, exactly. And so I mean, I, I don't think it's okay to like, no, hit people or hurt me people. Either. But I, I don't think we need to get so hung up that we're you know, judging strangers on the internet over it. And so I was like, well, when, you know, and I feel like Beverly Hills, it's interesting that that's the show that you like the most, because that's the one where I feel like the fans are the meanest. They're so mean. It's like all the LVP people were so intense online. And then like, they're really mean to Lisa Rinna, who I think is like a fantastic housewife. Great housewife. I agree. You know, I put her up there with Sonia in terms of Me like too. my too. top like, housewives are ones that laugh in their own confessionals. I've it took me like seven years to realize that if they're telling okay. a joke and they laugh at themselves, I find them funny. <laughs> I don't it, know what really, that says about me. Yeah. I do this for laughter. It's supposed to be funny. That too. I think also like to me, I guess I look at it a little differently. Like I think Lisa Rinna, I do like I, I do appreciate that she laughs herself and then I appreciate like other other ones of, of my tops, other ones of my top housewives are for different reasons. They're more so just because they're monster human beings and they have no self awareness, which makes for great TV. So there's different things. But I agree that like Elisa Rin is in my, one of my top things, and Beverly Hills is absolutely the worst fans, and that's why I super super don't engage. And like even Kyle Richards gets so, Kyle's actually lovely. Um, somebody who I've had like conversations with, and she's actually lovely. And I even think on the show, okay, and like what people don't realize too with stuff with Kim, like it's also very difficult to deal with 
an addict her whole life. We have no idea. So like, I really don't. And like, I'm coming from somebody who like, who was the kid and I'm like, yeah. no, it's a lot. And so, yeah. And, and yeah. And Rina too. And I'm like, okay, then you're going to say this. And she's off show and what happens. And I'm like, I think that happened with Kenya and she left for a season. Everyone's like, oh, it's boring or whatever. And then like Kelly Dodd's going to leave. What are you going to do? Vicky left. What are you going to do? Tamara left. What are you going to do? It's all shit. It's like, what do you want people? When people say they want Ramona Singer, Singer gone, she's my number one. She is the best character work in the entire world. She's so unself-aware, truly a monster. And it's the best. Anything she does makes me crack up. She's like, oh, you know, I don't know. Like just, it's, I, <laughs> if, I've said this before. People that think that Ramona or Vicky or Terrible Housewife Month of Show do not understand the concept of what Housewives is. So for me with Vicky, I felt that the issue became where she started thinking she was the show and she was trying to having too much power over the other women and trying to control the dynamic where it wasn't allowing a very authentic version of herself to be shown. So I felt like, oh, getting her off the show. But then, like, let's wait a little bit. Like, let's see Mm. if she crawls back and we can knock her a few pegs down and she's actually showing us her real life again. Because I felt like she wasn't being the same authentic Vicky that we saw for all those seasons. And it was so frustrating. To me, I I see what you're saying. I think it's for a different reason. Because it's funny, like, it's funny too, I guess, even with a lot of housewives and people are like, oh, early seasons housewives. To me, it wasn't just early seasons. I think I've said that I haven't watched early seasons of a lot, but there was kind of a middle ground of like that was really great. Like to me, seasons five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of New York or and eleven, whatever. And like OC season seven to eleven, you know, that's that's more in the middle. And then it got shitty after. I think with Vicky, it was when she started dating Steve that she started not being authentic. I think that's kind of what ruined her. Totally. Um, and she started, yeah, like hiding Because he was bl- judgmental and he wanted very. like, you know, a very sort of like he has this sort of Ronald Reagan persona and he wanted a Nancy Reagan or something like that, you know? Yeah. And that's just not who Vicky is. I agree. I think there to me, though, there's still something so like inherently watchable about Vicky that. She's watchable. Yeah. And, I mean, and we all watch. Like, they're bringing in <laughs> other people that sometimes even people that come in and start drama are actually just such such unwatchable people just by themselves that you're like, Who do you think has been the most unwatchable housewife you've seen? You mean on Orange County? And any of them. Most unwatchable. Oh my God, that's like a major question because I'm cycling through so many. Um, Cycle, take your time. Oh God. I'm like, do you have waiting music? (laughs) Um, For me, I think it's Carrie on um, Dallas. I actually, she comes to mind as well. She's very unwatchable. She creates a ton of drama, but she's not compelling. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's, for me, I like watching a complicated woman, like with like good traits, right? Even Ramona Singer, like how she is with Avery, like she loves Avery. There are some kind qualities to her or how she thinks she's a good friend. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like even if we don't think she's a good friend, she does. And <laughs> I think that yeah. counts for something. So yeah. when you watch someone who doesn't really have that those good qualities mixed with the narcissism, like I like seeing someone who's really complex, right? Like Luann, you see Love. her as a mother, you see her as a wife, you see her as a girlfriend, a fiance, you see her as a cabaret, like you see her at all these things. And she's a complex character. And so Carrie just doesn't feel complex to me. It feels like this woman who's like still pissed about not having the financial whatever she does in her marriage and she just complains and says whatever she wants but it's not fun to watch I, that's I, it's good because like i was trying to think and you kind of 
brought her up, so I think that would be definitely one I would choose. Um, I think there's been a lot of ones on Orange County, actually. I know they cycle through a lot. Um, yeah, I think, like, like Peggy Sulahim is very unwatchable. I even think, like, and, and nearly not to the extent of, like, Carrie. No, I didn't want to say that. Um, T- Teddy Mellencamp, to me, is very unwatchable. And, and people okay. always said the boring thing. It actually wasn't just that. She's actually a fucking bitch. And, Wait, but then also how, is boring. How do you know she's a bitch? Have you met her? Um, I interactions. No, not even not me, but others. Others. Um, Are you able to like share an anecdote or like the types of things that she does? Not necessarily, but um, but something that it's really just even what you see on the show. There's just kind of like this this smugness to her and the whole like oh, there's just a lot of her that's just very unlikable to me, um, and not unlikable in the way that it's watchable. And so her, Carrie, I'm trying to think of any, I'm trying to go like city by city. Uh, like, let's think New Jersey, who would be like. I like the current cast. I think they're all incredibly watchable. I struggle with Margaret and I know, or Marge, I know a lot of people do. To me, she's very try hard. Um, and it's very like, uh. It's just funny because I know a lot of people that have met her in real life and she, say she's like exactly like that. She's just sort of like this, like verklempt sort of like Jewish type, even though she's not Jewish. Right, but that's a good Like type woman who's making sure that you, oh, do you want the diet soda? Do you want the regular? I've got the regular for the, oh, Joe, do you think she got the regular? You know, like that kind of, and that's an energy that I feel is very familiar to me. And I am drawn to that kind of an energy. And I like seeing it reflected. Like I like seeing Jewishy type characters reflected Oh, that's why I loved Jules on New York. I thought she was great. I felt bad for her. I really felt like they really went in on her, on her, you know, she was open about her eating disorder. It's not something that you're ever really recovered from. You just are battling it all the time. And she, I don't know. I think she was actually probably one of the darkest characters we've had on. Of I mean, all cities. Like, it was really dark. Didn't she put silverware in a calzone so she wouldn't have to eat it? Oh, yeah. That oh, is yeah. one of the darkest things that's like ever happened. It's so dark, but also so, such iconic TV. I was like, guys, I think I went on set. I was like, guys, never forget that Jewel Steel Calzones, Wayne Scene, whatever it's like. Uh, but, like, that, and then, like, it was really dark last year. She got arrested in Florida and, like, For hitting hit- her. With the car, the car with the bat, and then like spit on the window. I really read the police report and stuff. And, like, <gasps> there's just a lot of darkness, and like Ooh. I feel like a lot of pills. I don't know. Just it's all really dark. There's a lot me. of stuff there. Yeah, a lot of was, stuff. But I felt like she wasn't given a fair shot. No, I agree. Um, I'm trying to think of other unwatchables. I'm going to like city through city. Dallas, you said Carrie. Uh, Beverly Hills, I think I said Teddy. I feel like there's maybe been one more that cycled through, but overall, like mm, pretty good. Um, OC, yeah, like I said, Peggy Sulahi and oh shit. Um, I think some girls from the earlier seasons. Lydia was my least favorite. Lydia's pretty brutal for me too. Yeah, I fucking hate her. I I talked about her on the last podcast, how I just, she also just looked like a child next to all these women and it was really annoying to me. I also tend to like an older housewife or a housewife that has lived. No, shout. I want to hear your opinions. I know I've always said that to me and that, and that's what was, what was so great about like New York of whatever with like Ramona, Sonia, like they're all like even Ramona 63 or whatever. 
I love like an old broad. So when they were like, oh, let's bring fresh broad like Leah. I'm like, no, I don't want to see my house. I was young. And she, that's the whole, she totally throws out the vibe. But, um, but like when they try to bring in these young people, I'm like, no, like I want to see my Vickies and my Shannons, like stop bringing in the younger people. To me, that's what's so great. Like, well, I, and also yeah. the younger people usually comes with younger children, and I don't really want to watch any of that play out. I also Neither feel bad for some of the kids. Like, they don't really get to choose whether or not they're on the show. No, that's true, too. They come with that. But also the younger people come with this, like, thir- people. they say this, too. They're like, oh, yeah, you hire the girls that are thirsty. I'm like, it's a different type of thirsty. It's the type of girl that's, like, on social media, and they've watched these shows for a long time, and it's very, like, and they, they know the formula so well. You get these old broads, like when Shannon came on, you know Shannon didn't have any fucking idea what's happening. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. she really was just like old house. It's, it's, there's something different about it. So I, and that's why I think I struggle too, is that they try to bring in these younger people. And not just that, even if they're not younger, I bring up another point that like they've been on for so long that any new people they bring on knows the formula so well. I think genuinely the only person that like really didn't watch before they came on was Denise Richards, which is mm-hmm. why she, she, somebody <laughs> tweeted the other day. They were like, they're like, she really didn't understand the assignment. And then I was like, actually, I was like, she did. She just didn't get a fuck about it, which is why she was so iconic. Um, but like I, I think willing she to really breach her contract, like all of it. Uh, she's like, I'm not doing any of this shit. She's so funny. No, I like, I think actually going back to my favorite housewife, I took one of those like quizzes of like your top favorite. It's mm-hmm. definitely Karen Huger from Potomac. I'm, I like, if I were to pick Potomac, um, like my favorites from Potomac, she's definitely up there. And I think she's a great housewife. makes me laugh. She wouldn't be in my top overall. Um, but I, I do see what you're talking about, like the qualities. I think there's still something to me in my mind that like that, that was a JV franchise amongst like a varsity group. So they, and they're oh, also trying to meet. I, I love them. And I also love that they're in this area. No. You know, they've, Ashley Darby is the only housewife that is young that I'm like, but she's an OG. She, she was brought on in her 20s, but she has the soul of a 40 year old woman. Like, she is totally, every, all of her shit is laid out. It's for so all of funny us to bring judge. her up because, like, yeah, before that, I had really not been in Potomac, or before this past season. Sorry, excuse me. I, guys drip. don't drink a spindrift. <laughs> yeah. And, it's unacceptable. I mean, keep doing it. So it's actually me just being rude. But um, I, I didn't watch it. And I was like, oh, I, I, I the way I view these franchises, like JV amongst varsity and trying to replicate whatever. But this past season, I really did get in. And it was an amazing season. They did so good. And specifically, though, before that, I kept saying, like, I don't want to watch. I remember verbatim. I said, I don't want to a- watch Ashley Roller Derby. And then I watched the season. She became, like, my favorite. I was like, oh, my God. This girl is such an iconic housewife. And she... First of all, does not break a sweat ever. No. And like, yeah, I would say her. I really loved her. Um, her, Karen. Uh, I love Wendy, who's new. I think Candace is a great housewife. That's the thing, too. People don't realize that. I'm like, she's another young one that actually is a great housewife. Mm-hmm. Her and Ashley are young ones that are good housewives, really. I think the whole cast on Potomac is fantastic. I did mm-hmm. want them to bring Katie back, the original. <clears throat> Because she was unhinged. I mean, if she was going, she was some, on drugs. Oh, if sorry. she was going through some like mental and whatever struggles, like I would like her to like get a little bit cleaned up for her children's sake and for her sake. But like but for TV sake, but for TV sake, she was a really interesting person. Yeah, I remember seeing her season one and thinking like, oh god, I completely looked at her differently. So I was like, oh no. When I read that she was coming back for I think it was the fourth season, I was like, no. And then I remember seeing her and I was like, yes. Okay, (laughs) this is literally a completely different person. This is some insanely unhinged person, and I love it. 
I, well, I just you. love Potomac. I do. I feel like, but I, I want to go back to the Stan culture thing because I, I don't understand Stan. Like, I don't even know where it came from. Does it, does that actually the term come from? Like, I know it's like stalker fan, but is it actually from that like stupid Eminem song? Somebody brought that up recently. I didn't put two and two together until they said that. And then I never like looked into it, but maybe I forgot. I got to write that down so I can look into it. Uh, but like when I think of when it started, like when it's like, we've decided to stand, we decided to stand. I feel like that was probably like three years ago that really started. Uh, and then, yeah, it's just, it, when you really think about it though, it is actually so gross. Like, again, we're watching this ensemble of, people on a tv show and it's like funny and and that that's what you said to you, you want to watch it to make you laugh that's why i love watching new york they make me laugh whatever oh, there's the funniest the funniest and but then when you and when it gets all deep you're like oh my god it's people i stand and like they're so like it, it's so gross and i am gonna once again say that i only stand myself <laughs> so yeah well it's just interesting also to see i've noticed and i know you don't follow politics but i've noticed some people who are housewives fanatics that mm-hmm. like ha- are really involved in stan culture start to wade into political things online and they seem to take the stan mentality to certain political figures i agree and as someone who kind of works in the political like it's it, standing the political figure is it doesn't really make sense because you want to thank them for great things they've done, but you want to keep pressure on them to keep doing good things, right? No, not to get political, but a great example of this would be Trump supporters who so dieheartingly follow him that it's almost cult-like where it's like they cannot even acknowledge his mistakes when if it were other normal situations, they would, but for some reason there's this like captivation and they are, they're, they're such a fan of him, which also maybe goes from just where he came from before he actually stepped in office and like yeah yeah and the parade he built around him they really just became such a fan or stan of him that they excuse all this stuff and and that's a great example yeah politics it's disgusting and i've seen a lot of people do it on the left too and it and it's like okay like you can like people you can like vote for them but the stan cult this kind of housewife stan culture kind of like bleeding into politics i'm kind of like I don't it's know, funny guys. you bring it up. <laughs> I'm somebody that's like, I don't really bring up politics, but if it is, like, I'm not afraid to shy away from it. Oh, like, I talk about I it all actually, the time. I really struggle with the far left. Um, and it's somebody like, I'm I'm a registered Democrat and I voted for Joe Biden, but like, and maybe this would be different if I like lived in middle America where, the, or where I was like, a, you know, or a place where like I was around all these like far right people that like it was affecting me and they're like, oh, you gavers and whatever. But like, at this point, it's almost like the far left annoys me more than the far right. Because they, and again, this is somebody that's like on the left, but like. But you're also surrounded by people that are probably farther left than you. Yeah, it's just, and they're so sensitive and they're so like, oh my God. And then, yeah, the the, the the emotional like standing and this, that, and the other. And it's just like, oh my God, guys, like, oh my God. It's just interesting to me to see because it's like, no, no, stand culture isn't meant for politics. Like, no. because you want to keep pressuring them to keep making decisions that you think are best for you and your and society, right? And you can't put pressure on people if all you're doing is saying that they're perfect. 
and acknowledging mistakes that are made and saying, okay, but exactly. So it's like somebody, and I'm not, again, I haven't followed enough to really know any mistakes that have been made or whatever, but like, so for instance, some far left person that voted for Joe Biden and had he already made some mistakes or a mistake or whatever, they're constantly just like praising. I think there's like something that always comes up my feed. It's like Joe Joe Biden, Daddy Stan, or something like that, and it's like blah blah, blah. and like retweeting this and blah blah. blah. I'm like he's, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like we're happy as president. Like let's let it breathe. Like they're like Joe Biden fucking wiped his ass today. Oh my god. I know. And I'm like so did I. Like, <laughs> uh, so did you. Like why is it so special that he's doing it? I wonder how we break down the Stan culture, though, especially with Housewives, because I feel like, okay, this is my goal. I want to make Housewives fun again. I I have fun with it. I'm like, Bravo should be fun. We shouldn't fight over it. It shouldn't be that deep. We should enjoy it. And we should enjoy this, like, very campy, silly, unusual shows that we get to watch. (laughs) It's tough. It's almost like, I don't know how. And I think when you were bringing up the question of like, when did it become like this too? I think it's been the past few years, but it's definitely been accelerated kind or of COVID. since COVID and like all that stuff. And, and everyone's just, we don't allow anything to be fun. Everyone's so serious and nobody can take a joke. And like the way that people just wanted to cancel every Bravo star for everything that they said, it's just like, come on. If we were to go back to the earlier seasons, for all the things that were said, we would have none of the greats on there. Like, what are you talking about? Like, none of them would be on there anymore if we were to call them out like they are now. I think so many people were unfairly fired. It's just, like, so crazy to me. So it's like, I think we we as a society would have to get to get to a much different place again for that to happen. Because now we're just so, like, the gross term woke and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, guys, like, take a fucking joke. I think I tweeted something... I posted the other day where I was just like, and, and again, I, I maybe, yeah, I said political correctness is over, guys. We're saying whatever the fuck we want again. Um, I'm somebody that kind of does anyways. And so if I get backlash yeah. for it, I do, whatever. But like, come on. And I am somebody that's like, I'm okay with jokes. Like, let's make continue making jokes and making people laugh. Like, that's what it is. For instance, like, think about how different it was. This example is used, I think, fairly often as far as, like, movies that would not fly anymore, like the movie White Chicks. Like, it was all funny, and we thought it was funny. And, like, now we can't do stuff like that. And I think there's a lot of stuff that like that that translates through The Housewives, even scenes that we always yeah, watch. And, I think, yeah. and I've talked to, like, a lot of other people about this, about how I definitely want to listen to people who, like, are personally affected by things that Kelly Dodd says or, like, things that are, like, really... I don't know, racist or whatever, like seeing how the Housewives of Dallas are treating the one Asian cast member. Like, I want to listen to everything, but I also don't think that, I don't know, my, my feelings on this keep changing, but I just don't feel like we can hold the reality stars to the same standards that I think we want to hold ourselves to. They're a character. They're a character. That's exactly what it is. And so think about it. How would we have ever watched Bad Girls Club? Or any of that. Like, I never said, oh, my God, I want to be that. If you are so badly looking to model your life after after one of these girls, then, like, you've got a problem. Like, you should probably fix your own life and, like, figure things out for yourself. Again, be a a fan of yourself and figure things out. Like, that's not – I was never, ever, ever watching or looking to any of these shows or any reality show for a role model or example of good behavior. Quite the opposite. Yeah. So there's that, but like, so I'm talking about not even when there's like race involved, 
right? Mm -hmm. So now even when we're talking about that, but when it's like, you know, team this or team that, Jackie versus Teresa on Jersey is a perfect example. I'm team Jackie. I like Jackie. Doesn't mean I want Teresa fired. Doesn't mean I think she's a terrible person. Like I, I just choose Jackie's side in this argument, right? right? It doesn't mean like I run a Jackie Stan account, but that's what's so hard for me, especially when it's not that deep, when it's like two women fighting over one saying that the other's husband cheated. Like, Mm. we're not talking about race. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about transphobia or homophobia or anything that like directly impacts any of our lives. We're just talking about something fun and people just can't seem to chill out. Yeah, it's insane, actually. I think a lot of that started with like Team Bethany, Team Carol. I was Team Carol. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I was Team Bethany, but it's like that's okay. We have different opinions. Exactly. Like that's all it is. People are like like if if I said that to a certain person, they would be like, oh, 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 oh. and I'm like, shut the fuck up. That's so interesting that <laughs> like that it came nasty. because so I was listening to I think it was just an Instagram live that two friends were doing, and they were talking about when did Andy Cohn kind of maybe start to slip a bit. And they were saying when it became clear who his favorites were, because it's like, we want him to be sort of like one of us watching the shows. And okay. he started being a little bit and they people were saying Bethany versus Carol, he made like kind of who he sided with a little bit more well known. I actually didn't think so. I think he does a really good job still. I'm still like one of those people who's like, whatever, I like watch what happens live. I like Andy Cohn. I like the housewives. Like, I enjoy this still. Yeah, I think that, like, to me, I guess my perspective is he, he is, plays fair or whatever. I personally just have never really liked him because I think he's kind of a clown. Um, he is. But like, I like clowns. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually sometimes like clowns, too. I guess I kind of like a, I don't know, he, he kind of just annoys me for some reason. But, like, I think he's doing a job. Like Totally. Yeah. yeah. Do you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians at all or follow any of that? Um, I obviously I know this is probably a common answer that I used to and not really so much anymore. Um, so I definitely haven't in recent years. Well, I'm telling you, in the recent years, I really don't watch TV. Uh, but but you've been discovering so, yourself. You've been like working on yourself. So like it makes sense. It's yeah. like you're like living reality rather than reality TV. Well, and I also make it a point like I never so like I don't I would never turn my TV on like during the day or like lay in bed and watch or anything like that. I spent year I'm telling you years locked in a very dark room just like doing drugs and drawing and it was very dark and I want no part of that. And so it's kind of like, yeah, like I have a TV and I, I turn on some before I go to bed, but that's it. There's no like blah, blah, blah. And so I follow the Kardashians through the media, but otherwise, no, I listen to a lot of music. Like when I wake up and actually know me, I was dating this guy in the fall and like every morning I wake up and I come out to the thing and he'd have the news on the living room. And I'm also someone who doesn't watch the news. So there's that. But I'm also like, why are you starting your day like this? Like you're starting day watching this. Like I, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you would hate me. <laughs> And I was like, oh, and I was like, I'm not doing this. I wake up and I immediately cook, uh, hook up my phone to my Bluetooth and I start with music and I just like chill and like, it's like fun music. And I, like, I, Ooh, what's fun I mean, music? I mean, it's different. I'm like, I have all sorts of random playlists. It's, it's a mishmash of stuff, but, um, but do like you Spotify playlists, playlists, like I do have, you share so them. I'm an Apple music user. So I had okay. a lot of individual ones and I put one out like every month on there, but I have one big Spotify playlist because I know other people obviously use it. Um, but it's like very big and random. It's like 700 songs. The ones like now I have ones with like, oh, April playlist and that's probably like 20 songs. But but yeah, I, so I don't really watch like, Kardashians I'll see in the media. 
I think like occasionally, like I said before, I'll go to bed and like I'm like if there's something to watch, then I'll maybe put that on or whatever. But yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, speaking of Apple playlists and actual, oh no, we didn't talk about documentaries. The best documentary I think I've seen in the last year. I know it's old, um, but is the Defiant Ones. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. Oh my god, it's so okay. It's good. It's four parts, and it's about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine and how they <gasps> created. Wait, I'm beats. sorry. I'm gonna add this to my. Um, I have a watch list. That sounds so creepy, but hold on. No, no, no. I, I actually to anyone listening. So I watched this with my dad, and then I rewatched it with my best friend because it was that good. It's a four part series and it goes into like both of their childhoods, what brought them into music, you know, Jimmy Iovine growing up, um, you know, in New York City and Dr. Dre growing up in South Central and and there in Compton. And then eventually when they find each other, they have a whole thing on like, you know, the 90s, like gangster rap, which I'm like really interested in. Oh, I'm, I'm like super fascinated in yeah. like how it all like the Source Awards in 1995 where like all the beef went down and and like how they teamed up to become billionaires, right? Yeah. And the whole creation of it is so fascinating. It's fascinating to see two people who are such geniuses find each other and stick together and then create something incredible. I would totally watch. I think when I said too that I like to have like maybe one scripted show in my life at a time type of situation, it's either that or a documentary. I actually really love a documentary. I've just finished a lot of the ones I've wanted to see. So now I'm kind of like, so now I'm glad you told me this because I was like left with none, but I love, I usually watch a lot of like, like murder of Lacey Peterson, Aaron Hernandez, like Casey, Casey Anthony. Like I love that type of stuff. I'm really into it. Okay. Well, I'll give you yeah. some more documentary. I'll like follow up with yes, you. Cause please. I, that's something yes. I actually watch. I know I I'm really into it. Okay. So I want to um, kind of go back to Beverly Hills again and old school Beverly Hills. And just get your thoughts on some things. So as I was saying, the first few seasons are so dark. But aside from what's going on with Kim, is there another storyline that you remember that you're like, wow, that was actually really dark? Hmm. I mean, Taylor's was Taylor's Taylor's was insane. That's the darkest thing I think we've ever had. Sometimes people will say stuff about current stuff like this is so dark. It's the darkest thing we've seen. And I'm like, does nobody remember that like, Russell beat Taylor and then he killed, like, sh- killed himself. I'm like, what are we not remembering here? That's so uh, wild. I mean, that's probably the darkest. But I also thought how the friends handled it was also very dark. Like how the other housewives handled it and yeah. how they were annoyed with her. But she was kind of acting like how most people who are victims of abuse behave. And they weren't trying to, like, put it all together and support her. They were just annoyed at, like, what she was trying to hide, right? And then what was coming out on camera and how they didn't match up. Yeah, I felt bad because she was obviously just scared. She was just very scared. I felt bad about that. See, the Kim stuff dark. Besides the Kim and Taylor stuff, what was dark? You know what? That hits me differently. So I remember watching season three of Beverly Hills and not getting what the big stuff was with Adrian. Mm. But now that I'm like dealing with fertility stuff, and um, there's like a good chance that if I have a child in the future, it may be yes, due to an no, an egg donor would be I have an okay. egg problem. So like that may be something that I would do. And so this idea that they had a surrogate and didn't want to tell the kids and didn't want it to come out on camera 
and that Brandy just blurted it out is so, I think, very dark and very, like, trying to use someone's, like, fertility issue against them as, like, a negative thing is, but I'm also, like, why wouldn't you tell your kid? I remember thinking the same thing, whereas, like, at first it didn't hit me as much, and then I rewatched it later and thought, this is a lot darker than I thought. And then I did think, like, well, you probably should just tell your kid for the sake of honesty, but but yeah, the fact that it was their their choice not to, and Brandy did say it. Like I, I think it was like maybe two years ago that I rewatched that, and I was like, oh. I was also just like doing a deep dive on Google, and it turns out that they, it wasn't that they didn't want to tell their kids. It was like they talked to a child psychologist that told them to start talking to their kids when they were ten about How it. How old were the kids at that time? I don't know, maybe six. You're like they were definitely not ten. But I'm also like. There's an age-appropriate way to say everything. But I just didn't like the way that it was weaponized. Yeah, it, I feel it was like weaponized. it was way yeah. darker than, like, now, like, knowing what people go through with fertility. It's like, oh, my God. Like, of all the things. Yeah, no, it's something that, like, I, I think even Brandy is like, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, how is it watching the Kim stuff back? Like... Like, I feel like I don't think I fully understood that she was using drugs and drinking. Like, I didn't. Oh, I don't think I. I I mean, I I knew because everyone said it and because she looked weird. But watching Mm -hmm. it now, I'm like, wow, that was actually bad. I actually remember very vividly, like, upon first watch when it was airing, thinking that. I think just obviously being in, like, tune with what happens. Like, I remember thinking, oh, my God, like. We're in that hotel and they were in that hotel in Hawaii and like when she was, was like on the ground, she was, just I was like, like she was looking on the forefront. I that's because I, I was like I was doing the same thing at the time, so I was like oh like I know exactly what she's doing. And like when she was searching for her bag, like I, I I picked up on a lot of it and a lot of the bathroom stuff. Like I'm somebody that was always in the bathroom and like it it was all really clear to me. So anytime I've rewatched it, it was like exactly what I thought. I think yeah, that's yeah, so it's really which is though. it's all dark though. It was dark then, it's dark now. It is. I kind of feel though like part of the downhill of Beverly Hills, though, is her being gone. Like, I feel Absolutely. like between her and Kyle, like, that dynamic is so interesting. I'm so interested to see Kathy, but I would like oh, yeah. to see all three together. Me too. I was so happy that she came on. I'm like, but I want, I've wanted all three, like, pretty much since season one. And I'm like, now we get Kathy, but we don't get Kim. I'm like, I want all three. They, something about their whole family dynamic is very dark, and, but very interesting to me. And I want to see it too. Like, that to me was a core of, the core of Beverly Hills. I'm so interested. And I what I really don't like is this like protection thing. I think it started a little bit with Taylor, right? Where they all wanted mm. to protect Taylor. And so mm. they didn't say anything until and now we said it, right? And then, yeah. but ever since then, like there's just certain things that they won't talk about, like Dorit's money issues or, um, you know, what's happening with Erica. I think they're going to like all rally around Erica. Like they never, they always like choose one person to pick on. And, and I, I don't, I think that's what a lot of viewers are not interested in is they don't like seeing everyone against one. They like seeing like a different dynamic. And I agree. I totally agree. And I agree that's changed to me. There's still something about Beverly Hills that's like somewhat watchable. I'll go, although I guess I, for eight, 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 nine, there wasn't like, I really couldn't do it. But also then it's like, then don't watch it. Like, why are you watching it? And then being a nutcase on Twitter about it. Like, then don't watch it. Like (laughs) I'm very quick. There's so many people that I that say this like I'm a Lois fan. Like I know I watch no matter what. I'm like I guess that's not what I am then because like 
for instance, I said with Dallas or whatever seasons, I always can put like, I'll give it a shot. So I'll excited, give it a shot. If I don't like it, like, I don't want any of this to be a chore. If I don't like something, like, I'm not going to watch it. If I don't like something in life, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm pretty, I'm a very particular person in general. And so, yeah, if I don't like something, I'm not, it's not happening. You know what you should develop? You should develop a housewife's guide, like the best episodes for every franchise that people should just pick and watch. Like, if you are interested in the players but not the game, like, you don't want to watch all of it. Because there's a few episodes of Salt Lake City that I think you would really like. And you may not need to see what happened before, and you may not need to see what happens after. But, like, those few episodes are so fascinating. I I think it was, like, maybe three or four years ago somebody had asked me, and I did compile, like, just a note in my phone of some of my favorite episodes because people would just ask me. So I have something like that. I don't think I'd, pro- I don't think I'd work on, like, a whole guide. But I do like that idea. I want somebody to do it. But I – yeah, I've, I've done that. I think with Salt Lake City um, – I said, I gave it a few. I, I just feel like you would like tour. Mary. Like the more that you saw Mary, I feel like you would really like Mary. She I is, there is so much more like of in terms of an onion and like just going through the layers. Like there's a lot there. I I think it was also like, I just don't care. Like the, the ones I was still trying to watch was only because I had like that, that long-term relationship with them that I'd watched them before. And like, they're familiar people but i was already losing interest in that yeah you don't want any new friends (laughs) no i was if i'm already losing interest in the old friends i'm like i tell you like barely hang on to them i was like i don't like and i think it was during the time i realized too like i'm just it's not i also was in a much different time um in my life when i started watching housewives which i told you was like a dark place whatever but i also think like it's just not as i think a that the the program is not as good and whatnot. Um, and I think I'm just not as interested. I think I'm just not as interested anymore. And I'm watching it. I find myself to be bored. And I think it was maybe different watching it on drugs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, to so be honest, true, like it, it's a really big part of it. I think, you know, doing drugs or doing whatever, like it was different. Uh, yeah. I like remember specifically remember like, I'm going to like get in bed and like do some heroin and watch this. And like, but, like everything's pretty great on heroin. So. Right. Yeah. Well, in terms of being sober now, like, how do you feel if you've watched any of the storylines of sober housewives? Is that something you're like, oh, no, now this housewife is sober, like, it's not fun to watch? Or is it you, like, appreciate them showing someone's sort of recovery? Or it's also never clear, like, for New York, for example, Luann was kind of forced to become sober. I don't know if it was like her choice. You know, it was like the court telling her. So, I don't know. Just wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think in Luann's case, it was definitely like a, a court situation. I was like, she's obviously getting sober for court, which I've seen in real life and whatnot all the time. Um, as far as seeing sober storylines or sober people, like the odds are if it's somebody that we'd already seen messy drunk, that was probably a lot of their best moments. Then we see them get sober. It can be boring. I think there's certain sober people that just no matter what are so watchable to me, even Kim Richards, like sober. And I put that in quotes because who even knows, like she is still very watchable. So there's, there are exceptions and there's certain people. Uh, I, it's funny you bring this up because it's not even something I've really, it's not something I've even like talked about right now. Um, I think like I've obviously, I still do. I speak a lot about my past and I've been very open about it. I think for a while though, I was very open about like, being in recovery and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Um, and then, like, 
things with me have shifted and like in terms of like my own sobriety and, and recovery and things like that. Like I kind of just view things differently or, or just going through different processes. And so I, but, and then I realized like, I don't want to ha- explain my parameters of recovery to people because it doesn't like mean that it's going to work for them or whatever. Um, so I've kind of like shied away from that conversation a little bit, but I'll just say like, just for the sake of being honest, cause you said like, Oh, you, cause you're sober or whatever. And like what I've, like how I I feel like I'm like walking myself into this basically what I've chosen to do recently. And this is like while working with my therapist and making a very like conscious decision over a period of time and like doing it structured and and controlled is like, I've chosen to kind of start like moderately drinking. Um, And I know it's probably controversial. And again, I've never even said that yet. Um, I don't even think like my, 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 or I know that my family doesn't even know this yet. Um, Only certain people do, but uh, so in terms of like seeing the storylines and stuff like that, I think it can be good, but it can also be like, you don't want to model your own recovery off. There, there's a reason why like in AA, which is the program I was in, which you're not supposed to say, but I'm saying it now cause I'm not in it. I don't know. Um, attraction rather than promotion. You're really not supposed to discuss it. Um, and that's also part of the reason why I left it. To me, there was just so many kind of like rules and not just that. Actually, rules that were like not followed and broken and weird. And it, there's it's it's there's a lot to it. It's it's a whole conversation, but like it shouldn't really be showed because like other people are going to think they're going to model what I they're doing. And this is how I do it. And and again, sobriety is not a recovery. Is not one size fits all. It's all very different. And so like. And then there's people that get sober and then they're just constantly pushing it. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. And some of those people might not even be the type of sober that they claim to be. Um, and that's confusing. And like, even then, like people's definitions of sobriety are different. And so I, I feel like I went on a tangent, but those. No, I really feel, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I, I th- I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I watched okay. the Demi Lovato like four part series. And she talks about, you know, her, how she was just, it was so strict for her, the type of sobriety that was forced on her. And it wasn't her choice. Um, which is why I bring up Luann that like not being a choice. It's how can you follow something that was like put on you externally versus like a choice that you made internally. And then Demi thinks that for her, the best option is like potential moderate drinking and marijuana use. Whereas, you know, Elton John says in the documentary, and he's yeah, like friendly no, with her. Yeah, no such thing as moderation. There's no such thing as moderation, but, you know, everything is different. And, you know, harm reduction is also something that I know a lot about, you know. And, you know, and to so. me, Elton John saying that, because I actually did watch, what's ironic is that, like, I actually kind of started going through this for the past few months, and this documentary came out, and I keep talking about it with my therapist, because she had also watched it too. And I was like, it's so ironic, this happened to come out because whatever. Um, and he, I think Elton John being like, oh, there's no such thing as moderation comes from kind of what's drilled into his head from AA. And I think right. they're generally, here's the thing, it does work. And I don't want to say what works and what doesn't. And I think that everyone's different. And I think there's maybe a different severity of addiction or whatnot, or I'm somebody that realized like, and I think it's even, I'm also different than Demi in the fact that like, here's what we're too, is that like, she did have a lot of like 
addiction issues even with alcohol and things like that in the past. So hers is a little bit more confusing to me. Um, and then she obviously did have that relapse overdose and all that. Mine was more so like, like, and it, it, I'm almost judging myself saying this. Cause if I've even said, if I even heard myself saying this a few months ago, I'd be like, Oh my God, because of like, you know what I was told from the program, but like, cause it's apparently like, like if you have an issue with one thing, it's with everything. But like right. looking back, I actually never ever was a heavy drinker at all. Like so much so that whenever we were like, and like go, went, go somewhere. Like my mom would always be like, watch Katie and Justin, like your siblings. Cause like, like that was just never what it was ever. So I remember I hadn't gone home in like a year when I first got sober and they were so confused. They didn't realize that when I said I'd been sober a year, that they, that I wasn't even drinking. They, I was, they just thought like I was clean from heroin. Um, but I had also gotten clean from heroin like seven months before I like entered AA and got completely sober. But I did have a lot of control and I've been vocal about that. It was confusing to me. And I think a lot of it was a safety net and I was still in probation. I wanted to just like, okay. And I, and I did want to take things and I think it's great. And it did really help me and whatnot. But like, I think there's a big part in them saying that you have no control, but I've proven to myself in many other situations that I have a lot of control and balance in my life. For instance, like, people like, oh yeah, you can't smoke a cigarette or pick it up. Like I smoke like a ra- few cigarettes randomly throughout the year or like I'll, I'll be with a friend or like Puffer Jewel. That's it. That's it. Like I, I've learned a lot of control in my life and that's just where I'm at. And so I've been able to like now a few times, just like, like one time I was on the beach and I just had a pina colada. Like that was it. But like what we're told, it's like, I'm going to do that. And I want someone to get wasted. I'm going to go do heroin and yada, yada, yada. And like, that hasn't happened. And I think now, right now, I just ended up this turn into like a recovery podcast. But like, hey, I, I'm I, all for it. I just haven't vocalized this yet, like I said, to anybody. So it, it might as well just explain it. Because if I'm, I'm, I don't want to like just say a little bit and then not give any more. But yeah, I'm in this place where I'm like, I, it's, it was a very, very, I don't want to say calculated, but like conscious, thought out, control decision. It wasn't like, oh my God, I relapsed. It was like a period of time that I really spoke to my therapist. And I, we kind of said like, okay, when will it be the right moment or whatever? And I had finally said like, when it feels right, I will. And I was in a situation somewhat recently and it felt right. And then that's like what I did. Um, and since then it's just, it's, um, it's important to talk about it and just stay, have a lot of self-awareness about it. And so circling back though, I think that sobriety storylines are, I think I'd rather not see them at all. I can imagine that. Um, I know people who have either gotten sober or members of their family had gotten sober or battling addiction. And the storyline can be intense um, and just unearth a lot of feelings. Yeah. And one actually thing I want to add is too, is that like, I think it's a little bit different in the case of a heroin hack because like there's nobody that uses heroin like, moderately or like there's no like casual heroin user type of thing like there's there's reason why they say like yeah you use heroin you get addicted or blah 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 and like it's just this kind of thing i think it's different obviously if somebody's like clearly shown that they are incapable of like drinking moderately and have you know that's their drug of choice and they're so crazy then it's then they probably shouldn't be drinking you know that's different i think that i'm allowing myself to give myself a chance to be like okay like we know we know we're not we can't use heroin like that's that but like it's it's a little trickier with that one. Yeah, it was just interesting because the Demi Lovato thing just came out and, you know, she's trying to establish a way in which she can engage in certain things that keep her, she thinks, especially with marijuana, she calls it like California sober. 
Yeah, which I don't love that term because I don't I don't want to identify myself like I would just rather not say sober. I would just be like I'm living my life. Right. She was just saying for herself, it's like it kind of helps her and prevents her from doing other things. But I, you know, I don't know. I I just think it's interesting and actually wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, I feel like some of the AA and like abstinence only sobriety Mm. seems very American in nature. Like Mm. in a lot of other countries, that's not, um, there's not like a one size fits all kind of, okay, you have a problem with addiction. Now this is the solution from, you know, my work globally. I've seen that people have different approaches in Europe and across Africa, Asia, you know, all of that. So I don't know, was wondering if you'd like, while you were doing your discovery and talking to your therapist, if you talked about other methods that people have, you know, tried. No. And what I want to touch on too really quickly again about Demi is that like, she had said like, oh, I'm kind of doing these because they help me stay away from the other ones. My intent is different. And honestly, her saying that like is a little bit worrisome because it still means she's like trying really hard to. Mine is actually from the opposite standpoint of like, I I know that I don't want to do heroin at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do any of that. I live such a different life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm more so allowing myself to just be kind of a balanced adult and enjoy those type of things. And I think a big part was that I realized over the past few years that, like, I've been very – every single time that I see my mom, she's like, Jeff, you are so stressed. I'm constantly stressed. I've tweeted this. Like, nothing has aged me like sobriety. I'm telling you. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a very stressed person and, like, just the things. And I kind of just felt like, why am I – torturing myself why can't I allow myself these little tiny vices and then what it is too isn't like then like what what people end up doing is like we have as humans we want treats or some sort of filga thing but that's when you get sober from drugs and alcohol you're like okay well I want something so they end up going like food or something I'm like but I don't want that I'm somebody that really cares about my body and being fit so I don't allow myself that so then I just end up like having kind of no treat and I'm not that happy and that's the thing too is that to me I'm on a happiness journey and I actually have not been happy through the majority of my sobriety I was happy for the first six months but I otherwise I've been pretty pretty depressed um and so to me I'm like why am I doing this and torturing myself if I'm not even happy and so I'm on a happiness journey and whatever is a part of that is then so be it if AA becomes a part of that again then so be it but I think before I was on this AA journey and it's like yeah, I, I want to just allow myself these, these kind of things and just be like, okay, like things are okay. Like I'm balanced. I'm doing okay. It's not like I need to do these so that I don't do the hard drugs. That, like I said, her saying that is a little worrisome, but I, I don't, but, but I also don't want to, that's the thing too, is that I don't want to judge. And what I really left behind in the 12 step programs is the judgment because it's, it's very heavy. And it's very strict and it's whatever they program into you. And so to me, I'm just like, I don't judge. And like the best way I could phrase it is that, and this goes for anybody. I'm saying me just in this context, my sobriety, my happiness, and my well-being is between me and me. That's it. And like, that's how I feel about her. And I felt bad that because she's such a public figure, she felt the need to address it. And I've seen a lot of people give her a lot of shit. And I felt really badly for her again like i probably just like wouldn't have said the california sober thing because then there's a whole fucking mob of sober people that are like oh my god that's not sober blah, blah blah so i probably wouldn't have done that and like again there might be things that worry me but like leave her alone if she we can't ever judge somebody's happiness 
based on their sobriety. They're not always contingent. So what I think being in the, in a 12-step program, we assume all of a sudden we see somebody that was in the 12-step program before and that we see them with a drink in their hand. We think, oh my God, like they're off deep in them. It's like, we don't know that they're not happy. They could be happy and doing fine. Just it's not contingent. We don't know that. And so I'm going to end that rant now because, but I feel it felt good to get the, all that out. Well, I'm, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think it's really important <laughs> yeah. to talk through for real. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm, You're like, I'm cutting most of that out. <laughs> no, I think that's the best part of the pod. Okay. Truly. Thank you. Okay, so I want to end with your pop culture thoughts on some okay. things. Okay. Cool. What is your favorite movie <clears throat> from the early 2000s? Oh my god, that's such a tough question. From the early 2000s. Okay. You can name well, I mean, multiple. Like, okay, let's multiple. Um, I don't know if you how much you see my Instagram, but Fast and the Furious is like probably my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know it's like a it's because I'm, I know I'm aware, guys, that like whoever's listening, that like it's essentially kind of terrible. Like I, I just know that I know what what it is, but it's the car thing and whatever. So that um, a lot of Britney Murphy movies. She was actually probably one of my favorites. Uh, Just Married, I love. I love Girl Interrupted. I was like, I think Girl Interrupted is so good. So good. I think it was my so good. But Just Married. I'm trying to think of any other like Eight Mile. Really right. <laughs> I'm like, oh god. Um, I mean, that's like Clue. Clue. Well, that was the '90s as well. Yeah. There's other 2000s stuff with her. Um, of course, Love Mean Girls. Love White Chicks. Love the Hot Chick. Love Bringing Down the House. Uh, I loved that. That was with Queen Latifah. Yeah. <laughs> and again, would never fly today. None of the stuff. I just rewatched it. None of it would fly. Oh, it's so interesting watching things back. Like, you know, watching even Friends and you're like, oh, my God, those jokes are not funny right now. Or, no. you know, just that, don't fly. Yeah. Do you think that in terms of like, what was the, what year would you say was like the height year for pop culture? Like That's, in the year that you've the years that you've been alive. I'm telling you, it's so bizarre that you just asked me that because I actually just released a shirt on my site this week that says "Pop Culture Peaked in 2006." 2006. Okay, so walk me through what happened to 2006. 2006 was for one the iconic Paris Lindsay Britney car moment. Uh, oh, I thought that was 2007. Uh uh-uh, uh, that was before. Oh. 2007 when she shaved her head and whatnot. I, I think when I said 2006, it could probably mix with 06, 07. I think 06, 07 for sure. It was all that. It was Britney shaving her head. It was Paris going to jail. It was like Lindsay going to rehab and getting arrested for all this time. That was, that was 2007. Maybe I should change the shirt. It was like Samantha Ronson. I'm like, fuck, I got to change the shirt now. <laughs> uh, Samantha Ronson for her was more 08. Um, okay. I, I'd say really like kind of 06, 07, whatever. And then maybe a little bit of tailed, tailed off but kind of by like 2010, 2011, it's like, uh, and then now, and that's why I even changed like what my podcast was before it was like pop goggles and like a whole thing into pop culture. And I realized like, I actually don't really follow pop culture anymore. And I kind of think pop culture is dead. Um, I think it's been felt so infiltrated with politics and, and the stuff that isn't politics isn't even great. So it's kind of just all culture. So to me it's dead and I'm not really interested. And so I just kind of like nostalgia. Um, yeah, I don't really fall. I, I like, like mid two thousands nostalgia is like your jam. Jam. I'm stuck in that time. Even like my car is not from then. It's like it's a it's a new car, but like the the type of car it is and everything is like even your car's like that. The way I dress, what I watch, what I listen to, I'm very much in that time. You're like pre iPhone. Is literally like and even stuff. so. I'm 
people don't understand that I'm very antiquated too. Like I have an iPhone eight and people always see that phone. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, cause I have a button. I don't want to get rid of it. And I have like, I don't have AirPods. I have wires. I'm like, my, I'm very antiquated. I don't like, yeah. You're, you're yeah. what we would call a late adapter. Is that what they call us? Well, so I'm kind of, I was like that for technology, maybe not as, as, as late as you, but I was one of the last people in like my friend group to get an iPhone. I liked my flip phone. Um, I didn't want to try Twitter right away. Like I didn't want to, I was so late to get on Instagram. And so I think when like either marketing analysts or even in like health, like when I, I work in health, um, they try and, you know, okay, there's always going to be people that'll be like the first ones to do something. Like my dad, mm. he's like the first ones to get the new iPad, the iPhone, the whatever. And then there's people like us who kind of watch like the wave, you know, and there's like waves of people and then like the late adapters. And sometimes we have to in order to like keep up with basic technology, like you have to get an iPhone rather than a flip phone just to be able to communicate, you know? Yeah. What's funny is that, like, back in the day, I was actually, so, when I was, like, uh, middle school, early high school, I was so into cell phones. I was, like, new one every, like, three months. I'd sell one on eBay, and I was so crazy about it. But then, yeah, anything, pretty much since high school, I'm very just, like, no, 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 no. I can't, how are you supposed to not have an iPhone with a button? It doesn't make any sense to me. Hey, it took me a while, but, you know, I figured it out, too. People say that, though, that like, you get used to it. I'm, like, I don't believe it. <laughs> don't you miss having a button? And I've tried using so many people without the button. And I'm like, I can't even like pick this up. I like forgot. I don't know. It became so this is what's scary is it becomes so intuitive that you forget what it was like before. And that okay. scares me. Like, I'm afraid. I, I hear that answer a lot with the face thing. I'm like, oh, no, you get used to it. Or like, yeah, the face that you had no touch thing. You get used to it. But I finally had a friend who I hadn't seen in a while, and I saw him like a month ago, and I was like, oh my God, you have that, that phone river? And he was like, oh, you saw the old one? I was like, yeah. And I was like, because I can't get rid of the button. I was like, don't you miss it? And he's like, Jeff, every fucking day. And I was like, thank you for being <laughs> honest. All of the other people are like, no, you get used to it. I was like, thank you for being like, yes, I fucking miss the button. I think I just don't remember. But I do have, I do I have some I give you nostalgia, though, for like the, I don't know, the before everyone was all over Facebook, like before Facebook was taken over by grandparents, before, you know, too many people got on Twitter and it was just like, you know, snarky people having fun. I don't I'm know. a big fan of the MySpace days. Big, big fan. Ooh. Okay. Well, let's end with you sharing a bit about your podcast because I think it's hilarious. I think you're hilarious. So tell me, like, so it's called Manic with Jeff Epstein. I think your tagline is Let's Spiral. It is Let's Spiral. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I feel like after that rant, they're like, he's not hilarious. He's depressing. No, no you're just <laughs> honest. Every. I don't know. All the funniest people I know have dark sides and the people that don't have dark sides, they do. They just don't want to share them. They're just that. not brave enough to share them. I love that. No, Manic is, like I said before, it started off as pop goggles. It was like this whole pop culture thing. And then I realized that I wasn't talking about like pop culture stuff and it shifted into just kind of, for the most part, conversations. And it really did become somewhat of a comedy podcast, which I think when you define it as that, it can be a bit of anything a lot of it is like insanely i call them like messy stories and ridiculous things happening um i love when it is it does tie back into pop culture like we talk about a a lot of nostalgia on there uh and and yeah it's just i actually like i love doing episodes with my siblings i'm trying to get it so that like they can permanently be my co-hosts and oh that would be so fun your sister's so funny thank you i it's weird because i feel like i almost love hearing the compliment about her than she hears 
loves it because I think hearing her, like, I'm like, Kate, like, you have to co-host with me. You're so funny. I, I think that would be great. And your brother's you. great, too. He's good. He's good. He, and actually, the three of us is good. But, like, sure. can you send her a letter and be like, Kate, just fucking do this? Yeah, I'll send her a DM. She has no social media, anything. She's more antiquated than me. She sends oh. everything to the mail. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, you should tell her to listen to this uh, just the last few minutes. And I'm just saying, so Kate, can... Kate, you're hilarious. The people, the people are asking for you. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me very happy. There's nothing happier. Nothing makes me happier than when people say, I listen to the podcast and I love your episodes with your siblings. It makes me so happy. Yeah. No, they're really good. Thank you. So, okay. For those people who aren't already following you, where can they follow you? Where can they buy your merch? Um, follow me at It's Jeff Epstein on Twitter and Instagram. And then um, the merch is popgoggles.com, all one word. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. We'll have to have you back for Beverly yes. Hills if you're watching. I would love to, actually, for sure. Come back. We will break down an episode of Beverly Hills together. Maybe the season, like the premiere. I would love to. Don't be afraid to ask me, really. No, really. I'm going to ask you. Okay, perfect. I'm excited. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Bye.